Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable, because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, Matt. What's going on, man? Hey, not too much, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm excited um, because this will date when we did this show. But yesterday, Elon Musk, it was a big event for, I think, all of mankind because he launched a rocket into space. Most of y'all know this, but he sent a Tesla up into space with Starman behind the wheel. And he set it to orbit around the sun, which one of the big things about that is he's a private individual. It's not NASA shooting something into space now, which I have nothing against NASA. It's just awesome that a private individual is doing it, you know? Yeah, NASA doesn't own space. Right. Right. They think they do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they do. <laughs> but I, I just think it's awesome. Me being as, uh, you know, I've always had, like, if I wasn't doing this, I would be a rocket scientist. But that, and if I was smarter, I would be a rocket scientist, you know. Um, I just love space and space documentaries and all that. It fascinates me. Oh, yeah. And um, Oh, look, since we're talking about this, right? I'll bring this up. One of my favorite scary movies, I love scary space movies. Oh, yeah? So, you know, Alien. Right. Love the original Alien. Event Horizon. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have not. It's got uh, it's got Sam Neill in it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jurassic Park. Right. And Love that movie. It's, uh, it's about a ghost ship, but it's outer space. Oh, okay. And it is, man, it's a killer movie. So if you like space science fiction movies if you and you like scary movies, uh, check that one out. It's awesome. Hey, uh, it came out like in the, I don't know, mid nineties or something. Uh, Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Check uh, it out. So that's everybody's homework then, including mine, is to go watch Event Horizon and then write a report and tweet it to us or put it on our Facebook page. We want at least three pages. Yeah. Single Two, spaced. Two hundred and fifty words. Right. Single spaced. Um, Footnoted. Right. Um. You know, I, I don't want to see you cheating by double spacing this thing and trying to squeeze it out to three pages and don't give me any of this elaborate. Well, you know, last night I watched this movie that was really, 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 really good. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't count. Nope. I'll grade it like a, a college professor does. So my question is, how how close is this Tesla going to get to the sun? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Um, I mean, you know, we we orbit that's orbit the sun. It's okay, right? You know, we're not melting yet. Right. Um, but you know, if you're going to put something out in space and say, okay, well, I'm going to make this orbit the sun, are you going to try to get it closer? Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> it would be funny if it came around again and we were watching for it as it came around, and he was like streaked with you know black singeing, <laughs> you know, and the helmet was a little melted and it, yeah. it just looked a little rough. You know, the headlights were uh, kind of melted off and everything. But now watching the uh, watching the boosters and everything land back on their own, that's a, a big thing because, you know, it's so expensive to go to space and it's because everything is disposable. You know, everything that NASA has is disposable. You yeah. shoot it up, the booster falls off and, you know, that's the only time it gets used. And 
with Elon's technology. I'm calling him Elon because, you know. Because you know him personally. Right, we're friends, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and with with his technology, we'll be able to reuse it. It will decrease the cost that it takes to get into space, not by much, but by a little bit, you know. And then, hell, it's a he put a Tesla in space, you know, and there's a cool dummy behind the wheel. It's yeah. great. Uh, the dashboard, did you see on the dashboard where it actually says, don't panic? <laughs> no, I missed that. That was awesome. And, and you, if you don't know, that's from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but that was a great movie. Um, yeah. No, it's not. It wasn't? No, it's a fantastic book. Yeah? I, I, I snoozed the movie, man. Really? I did. Really? I wanted. I went prepared, too. I was ready to laugh. Yeah. Saw it opening night at the theater. And me and the friends, I was like, man, we were pumped because we had all read the book years and years ago. I thought, man, it's going to be great. Right. And I thought, it ain't that great. Yeah. It's I, got funny parts. I loved it. I mean, I like the book, too, but I, I love the movie as well. I still ask my kids uh, if they know how to fly. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And they, they'll go, how? And I'm like, you fall and miss. <laughs> 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 it's true. It's true. But uh, speaking of Elon, I actually tweeted him if if y'all are on uh, on our Twitter thing watching me do my dumb tweets, y'all may have seen me tweet him. Um, I actually tweeted Elon and I said, just a thought. My house is a lot closer than Mars or anything like that, so you could always send one to me yeah. instead of sending one into space. And I'll drive it around Nashville with the the dash yeah. cam going and everything. I'll, so. I'll orbit my house right. in a Tesla. Right. <laughs> Hell, I'll orbit all of Nashville. You know, just you give me a Tesla, I'll do it. Look, I, I've seen I've seen my fair share out on the road. Right. One of the, one of the places I, I go to uh, to work, there's somebody there that drives one, and it's parked up front. I, I don't know who it belongs to, uh, but it's cool. And then um, we were in Memphis maybe about six months ago. Right. And went to the Ikea store. And there was one. They they were loading their purchases into one. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, check it out, guys. Do they have (laughs) enough room? (laughs) It's got the Falcon doors, you know, that that come up instead of a regular door. Yeah. Pretty cool. I would would totally drive one. but. You know, really, I'm a SUV truck guy, so I wouldn't drive it around much. But if you gave it to me free, I'd drive it around. They're, they're making a truck. Yeah, I'll drive that thing. Yeah. I don't care. Um, also, I want to put a call out to any of our listeners in Australia or New Zealand or anywhere around there. Adam needs some pavlova. <laughs> I saw a, a TV show with pavlova on there and instantly went, oh, my God. I need that in my face hole now, and I can't get it in the states. At least I I don't know of anywhere in the South that has pavlova. Yeah. So if anybody is listening to us now, that's in Australia or New Zealand, and they want to make a trip over here, um, I'll meet you somewhere. You know, I'll take you out to dinner. Um, I can't pay for your flight or boarding or anything but i'll take you out to dinner if you want to come over and bring me a pavlova or anything you'll eat your delicious meringue and fruit dessert i'll share (laughs) i'll share (laughs) if if you don't know what a pavlova is go check it out you'll want one just as much and maybe we can get a collective together to coax some of our australia new zealand listeners to come over with 
treats. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> on a, on a, Adam's going to ask, send me a bunch of kiwi. Yeah. And then he's going to have all these birds walking around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, no, no, no. I meant the fruit. I meant the fruit, not the animal. Um, on a, on a whole nother topic from Adam's desire for food, uh, we wanted to see if any of you guys would be interested in Graveyard Tale stickers. Um, we're considering getting some made and all that, and we just wanted to know how many of y'all would be interested in them. If you would be, tweet us, hit us up on our Facebook page, let us know. We've got a brand new logo design that we're going to get done on the stickers. It's pretty awesome. Both of us really like it. I'll see if I can talk Matt into letting me release it early on Facebook or something like that um, and kind of give you all a preview of what the stickers would look like. Uh, but we're excited to do it. We want to do the stickers. We just wanted to know if y'all would be interested in them. Yeah. So uh, let us know. We'll uh, we'll we'll send out the uh, the logo, what they're going to look like. And uh, if you think you might want one or two or seven. Uh, let us know. Or 18, you know, yeah, it'll you know. be, it'll be like, uh, what, what you were saying earlier, the more you order, the less it costs. Yeah. So they're going to start out as one. It'll be $16. But yeah, if a you one, a one-off sticker, a one-off $16. sticker is $16. But if you purchase 20 of them, it'll only be 20 bucks. Right. So get you 20 of them while they're hot. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I made myself yeah. laugh with that it's, one. It's the it's the old joke in the the print industry. You just keep ordering more until they're free, right? And it is the, you know you order a bunch, and the price just keeps going down. So any of our podcast friends or marketing friends will know exactly what I mean. Uh huh. But let's go ahead and take a potty break and let you hear from our two pod friends this week. They are Blood on the Rocks and Oh No Lit Class. Hello, and welcome to a promo for Blood on the Rocks, the podcast on all things creepy, morbid, or otherwise dark. I'm your host, Actor Taylor. Join me and various guest hosts as we cover a whole load of subjects. We'll show you the world of serial killers, accidents, hauntings, black metal, and more. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and all those other fancy podcast platforms. Our core and profanity content may vary. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And we host Oh No Lit Class, a comedy literature podcast that tells you all the strange and sexy facts you never knew about the books you had to read in school. Every episode is a fun, foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears, filled with author bios, plot summaries, bad impressions, and Megan singing. It's mostly you that sings. No, I sing well, she sings poorly. That's not true. So come listen to us ruin classic literature one book at a time at OhNoLitClass.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, lit class. We're for kids. No, we're not. So long and thanks for all the fish. Okay, so we're back now. <laughs> Didn't tell Matt I was going to do that. But, um, all right, Matt. So what are we talking about tonight? Okay, tonight, uh, in honor of when this episode will be released, we are going to talk about... The Ghosts of the White House. Right. And should be the Monday after this is released will be President's Day. Yeah. So, so we're, we're very topical. We're trying to be. Yeah. We're, we're trying to we're be. We're current, up to date. 
I, we're, we're, we're some hip dudes. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, I, I have been called a lot of things in my life. Yeah. Hip is not one of them. <laughs> Me either. Ever. Not hip, not cool, nothing like that. I mean, look at me, you know. Anyway, so before we get into that, I've got a little bit of history about the White House in case, you know, people here in the U.S. don't know a lot about it. And a lot of our listeners from outside the country may not know a lot about it. So I've got a little brief history of the White House, nothing too big. But uh, our first president, George Washington, is the one that selected the site for the White House. He selected it in 1791. The cornerstone was laid in 1792, and it was built off of a design that was submitted by an Irish-born architect named James Hoban, and he submitted it along with several other plans from other people, and his was the one that got chosen. Now, it took eight years of construction before President John Adams and his wife Abigail were able to move in, and it wasn't finished, but it was eight years, and it was 1800 when he was able to move in. Yeah, they were, him and Abigail were, were like living in some uh, D.C. apartment. Yeah. You know, they were dying to get out. You oh, know, yeah. They didn't allow pets, you know, and they were. <laughs> Adam's looking at me thinking I'm telling some real historical like, fact. Give it to me, man. Give it to me. What do you know? Oh, you son of a. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's the story that I hear about everybody moving into a house or created this cramped apartment. They didn't like yep, pets, so we had to hide our dog. And- yeah, we, we kept our dog in our closet, and, you know, we were we were spending four thousand dollars a month for 200 square feet we had to leave the water running and jump in the shower because we had too many people living in there (laughs) anyway uh during the war of 1812 the british actually set fire to the white house uh in 1814 so it's the war of 1812 but it was set fire in 1814 james hoban was appointed to rebuild the house and President James Monroe actually moved into the building in 1817 after it was rebuilt. During Monroe's administration, the South Portico was constructed in 1824, and Andrew Jackson actually saw the addition of the North Portico. Now, in 1902, President Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy, began a major renovation of the White House. He relocated the president's offices from the second floor to a newly constructed temporary executive office building, which is now known as the West Wing. Some of y'all may like that show. I don't. <laughs> West Wing. <laughs> okay. And Martin Sheen moved in. Mm. No. <laughs> anyway, in 1913, uh, the White House added the Rose Garden. Every resident since, every president, sorry, since John Adams has occupied the White House. It's both the home of the President of the United States and his family and a museum of American history. And it you can actually take tours of it for free. You know, you don't have to pay to go through. It won't always get in, but if the President's not there, then most of the time you can take a tour of it. Um, the White House actually has 142 rooms, six floors, and approximately 55,000 square feet. So... A ginormous house. It's huge. So it's it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt. <laughs> Why don't we get into uh, talking about the ghosts and all that stuff? Okay. And you take her away. Okay. 
So there are certain rooms in the White House that are much more active than others. And so what we're going to do tonight is kind of go room by room, which has the most activity, uh, what uh, what spirits are there, you know, what people have reported seeing. We're not going over all 142 rooms. No, we're not. Don't and, be afraid. You know, you know, I'm I'm sure the bathroom on the third floor is pretty calm, you know. So it's just a guess. I it, I wouldn't go that far. It's a bathroom. <laughs> it didn't come up on any of the Google searches, but uh, I'm I'm sure there's probably some some spirits in there. Well, <laughs> smelly spirits. Some apparitions. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna start at the top uh, in the uh, in the White House attic. Which I thought was kind of funny. It, it's just like it's somebody's like, you know, two story house in the neighborhood. Oh, it's got an attic. Yeah. I'm like, really? I guess the that White would be a, got an attic. Technically a seventh floor. You think it's got one of those big things you have to pull down, and the little stairwell falls. That would be down. great if it was in the hallway. <laughs> can, you know. you, can you? I get this mental image of of Trump like yanking down some trap door from the ceiling and yeah. then like crawling up into that right. and look at the old photos and crap. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, the most the most common uh, report from the attic is of William Henry Harrison, who died in office. Um, it was thirty you know, days after he was thirty days elected in. So me, yeah, hiccup. the guy's president for thirty days, and then he dies of pneumonia, I believe. Yeah, I think um, so. But he he can be heard. Um, Knocking around, moving around, um, you know, almost like he's looking for something. He's looking for some of those old photos. <laughs> um, but there's uh, there's other things that have happened in the attic, too. And, and this is really interesting, especially coming off the tail end of Adam uh, talking about the, the property and the land and the construction of the White House. Uh, a Truman era security guard reported that while up there... He heard the uh, a voice, a disembodied voice, say, "I am David Burns." Now, David Burns was the gentleman that owned the land that the White House is on. Now, he didn't sell the land; it was he was forced right to give it up because you know it's a government, the government. Yeah. You know, so they they took this land from uh, from David Burns to build the White House. Um, so hearing his voice, uh, not just in the attic, but in other parts of the house, uh, is not that uncommon. And it's usually in a manner of, uh, I'm, I'm Mr. Burns or I'm David Burns. So, you know, excellent. excellent. <laughs> I knew one of us was going to do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so that's, you know, kind of starting off small, um, you know, but that's some of the disturbances you've heard in the in the attic. Uh, we're going to let Adam talk about the rose garden. All right. So the rose garden is there's a little bit of a discrepancy on who was actually the first first lady to plant the rose garden. Because in some places you'll see one thing, and in other places you'll see another thing. It's the magic of the internet. You know, depending on the page, will depend on the information you get. Um, but the story that comes out that is most widely told about the activity in the Rose Garden is that the Rose Garden is it's used as the site for most 
like presidential announcements. And it's also the site of, I think, one of the creepiest hauntings that you've got one of, because Matt here in a minute will tell you about what I kind of find is the creepiest. But it says that the Rose Garden was originally planted by First Lady Dolly Madison in the early 1800s. And then later, First Lady Ellen Wilson requested that the garden be dug up. Now, garden workers reported that Madison's ghost appeared and prevented them from destroying her garden. And so it's like they're out there with backhoes and shovels going to destroy the garden and put something else there. And she actually turns up and scares them enough to get them to leave her rose garden alone. And since then, other White House insiders, they've reported occasionally smelling like inexplicable rose smell in the White House in different areas. And they also attribute that to Madison's ghost. Um, So she's heavily tied to the Rose Garden and protecting it. And then when she frequents the house, that smell of roses follows her. But Matt will get into what I think is probably the weirdest thing here with we're we're going from upstairs all the way upstairs to outside. Now we're going to go all the way downstairs with one that Matt's got. I did hear that. Um, that Dolly Madison's ghost has been known to leave like zingers and Jim donuts and that kind of stuff. We're going to do this every one. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about tonight. Everything. I was like, Hey, I've, I've got a joke about that. So. Yeah. You've had one too many energy drinks and apparently I've had too much uh, uh, yeah. death wish coffee. I'm, I'm so. drinking an energy drink right now. So, yeah. And I downed a thing of Death Wish coffee before we started. So, A, I'm a little wired. B, I might have to get up and use the bathroom. Oh, anyway. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, don't go to the third floor bathroom. Right. So, um, so in the basement, something a little more uh, creepy uh, resides. It's not, uh, it's not seen or witnessed very often, but it is a, a demon cat. Yeah, I said demon cat. Which, mm-hmm. You know, I don't like I don't like cats really. I and, think that's just you're being redundant now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Aren't all cats demons? Mm-hmm. And something like? They are. Yeah, like the cat people are gonna. <laughs> we're gonna get that. We're gonna get hate mail for this one. Um, so people that report they've seen the cat in the basement say that when they first see it, it appears as a kitten, and as they get closer to it, it gets larger and larger to this you know, big phantom beast cat. Okay. Now the weird thing about this cat is that it seems to appear just prior to a great national disaster. So it's reported that there was a sighting just prior to the, the stock market crash in the 1920s. And it was also seen again, just prior to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So, you know, that that's not what you expect when you think about ghosts in the White House is a, no. is a ghost cat that could it's be a predictor a of, of, yeah, ill you know, will. I am the the bringer of doom. Right. Which bringer <laughs> in of, cat form. Bringer of doom is what I think of when I think of cats anyways, you know. Right. Yeah. And you, you said we were going to get hate mail from cat people. I think cat people understand that, too. 
they love them, but they realize that cats are demons. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a known fact. Go pet a cat on the belly. Tell me it's not a demon. That's right. They don't like that. No. So we're going to move up from the basement up to the second floor. And the second floor of the White House is the residence for the first family. So everywhere on the second floor is the president, his wife, the kids, all that. That way they have their own room to get out of the hubbub that's going on in the rest of the house. So many of the stories that come out of this area are usually from them, from presidents and their families. And one of the most frequently reported ghosts in the White House is Abraham Lincoln, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But he's seen up and down the hallways of the second floor, and he's been heard by many residents, including First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, President Truman, once claimed he uh, to have heard Lincoln pacing the hallways and knocking on his bedroom door. And President William Howard Taft became the first president to report seeing the ghost of First Lady Abigail Adams, who was apparently floating through doors on the second floor. So the second floor, you could imagine that since it was home to the presidents and their wives, they're going to frequent that a little more than probably anybody else because they have a a relationship with that area. Right. So, yeah. So we're going to move from the second floor halls into the second floor bedrooms. Now, the second floor bedrooms are quite a bit more active than any of the places we've talked about thus far. And the second floor bedrooms, again, they're used for the president's family and and for guests of the president. So they could be other family members, friends, you know, foreign dignitaries, things like that. So a lot of people have come and gone and stayed in these bedrooms. And one couple that was spending the night there said that they they saw a British soldier at the foot of their bed trying to set their bed on fire. And it speculated that this would be the ghost of the British soldier that set the fire in the War of 1812 that burned the White House. Right. Um, Lyndon B. Uh, Johnson's daughter, Linda, reported seeing the ghosts of uh, Lincoln's son, Willie. And he had died in the room in which she was staying. So there's a, and there's a lot of stories out there about Willie. Um, you know, who died while uh, while Lincoln was in office. And, I mean, we, we could actually go on a huge tangent just, just talking about Willie. He's, he's been the subject of, of many books and things like that. Um, but, yeah, he actually died in the White House. So, you know, suffice to say, you know, obviously left, left a mark, uh, to say the least. Also... It is said that you can hear the ghostly screams uh, of Grover Cleveland's wife uh, giving birth. And Grover Cleveland's wife was the, the first woman to actually give birth in the White House. You know, so you can, you can hear the, and of course, the screams of childbirth. You know, we're talking, this is, this is before, you know, a lot of yeah. anesthesia. <laughs> that would be a really creepy thing to hear. And... The, these accounts are, and especially this last one uh, about the screams of childbirth, uh, 
these are actually documented by a former uh, White House employee that wrote a book about her time there. And we're going to talk about her in, in just a little bit. Um, but these bedrooms were renovated in 1952. And so... The activity has since decreased considerably. So if you're wondering why these stories seem to be, you know, dated so far back and there's not a lot of recent stories, part of that is due to the activity kind of stopped in these bedrooms after the renovations. So And that that explains why Barack never tweeted me back. Because I I put a tweet. You think that explains it? That's got to be the reason. I mean, because Barack and I are tight, man. (laughs) You, Adam, Barack Obama, and Elon Musk walk into a bar. (laughs) And that's not even a joke. That's just what happened last week. I mean, like I said, man, we're tight. We hang out all the time. So I don't understand why he didn't tweet me back. But I actually tweeted him and Michelle to see if just maybe they were having a wacky day and wanted to talk about it but i tweeted to see if maybe they had had any experiences in the white house while you know they were in office now what will happen is we'll record this and then barack will text me later with the stuff and i'm like dude it's too late man you know you missed your chance to be on graveyard tales but maybe we can get him on another time since right. we talk yeah. all the time we'll skype him in right that'll work that'll work <laughs> so we'll move from the second four bedrooms over to the Yellow Oval Room. Now, during Lincoln's administration, this room was actually his personal library and one of his favorite rooms in the White House. And numerous employees have reported seeing him gazing out the windows in this room. And First Lady Grace Coolidge also claimed to have seen him there. Uh, In addition to Lincoln, the disembodied voice of David Burns, once again, who Matt talked about earlier, has been heard from this room as well. So, like Matt said, since he owned the property, he owned the land, you're probably going to hear him not only in the house, but outside, anywhere you're at, if he feels like this is his property. Yeah, he he kind of felt like he was slighted out of this deal. Right. And he kind of was. He kind of was. The First Lady, Mary Todd Lincoln, also reported seeing the ghost of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas? Thomas. Thomas. You know Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, and John Tyler there as well. Yeah. And, you know, Mary Todd Lincoln comes up in a lot of uh, in a lot of the articles about Ghosts of the White House. And the curious thing about Mary Todd Lincoln is that she was really into spiritualism. And this was really a time where spiritualism was finding its own. I mean, it was growing. It was becoming very popular interest in the occult, things like that. and. You know, after the death of her son, Willie, it, it really became more prominent, you know, for, you know, to talk to Mary Todd Lincoln ab- about things like this. And after Lincoln's death, she was known to go to uh, a house uh, owned by a family named Laurie's. And, and the Laurie's were well-known mediums of the time. So she was going there to try to connect with Willie, you know, her dead son, um, by going through these mediums. But it gives you kind of an idea of the mindset. We've talked about this before. If if you're if you're thinking about it, if you're 
in tune with it if you're if you're interested in it and you're looking and you're paying attention chances are you're going to pick up on something that you may have missed if you didn't have this on the brain right you know sure you know you can be thinking about oh god is there a ghost down there and a, a little movement you know a shadow here something like that your brain is going to blow it out of proportion. Oh yeah. Okay. But in the same respect, if you're not thinking about it at all, your brain will pass over something that could have been significant because it's focused on something else. So if you've got this idea of, well, there might be some spirits here, you're going to be more in tune than other people. So Mary Todd Lincoln comes up often in the stories about sightings of ghosts of, you know, past presidents or past first ladies, um, you know, she's had claimed to have had conversations, you know, with spirits that were in the White House. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that she was so in tune to spiritualism. She wasn't the only first lady to do that. Right. Because it was very common. I mean, she wasn't some, you know, weirdo whack job that just happened to be into all this. It, it was it was commonplace for people to be interested in this at that time. So. Oh, yeah. That, you know. And we've discussed that before on a lot of other episodes where around this time you talk from like the 1600s into even the early 1900s, spiritualism and the occult was a really big deal. And so when we talk about any historical aspects of anything, you can pretty much be guaranteed that there's going to be some spiritualism involved by somebody. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And since we're since you talked about a medium and since we seem to be doing this at every room, did you hear about the midget psychic that escaped from jail? Uh, no, no. The headline read, there's a small medium at large. (laughs) That is a dad joke. You're welcome. (laughs) So for everybody that, that listened back a couple episodes ago, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the dad dad jokes are coming. Yeah, trust me. We we should probably play a drinking game where every time one of us has a dad <laughs> joke, you take a shot. Uh, but but if it's funny, you don't have to. Right, right. You're going to be drunk. Yeah, no game, kidding. Trust me. So we're going to move out to the North Portico, and one of the most common sightings uh, outside the North Portico is a British sh- soldier wielding a torch. And again, this references back to the British burning the White House during the War of 1812. Um, There's also been reports of seeing doormen that have long since passed standing there, uh, manning their post and doing their duty. Um, But the the most interesting story is of a uh, a woman named Anne Surratt. Now, Anne Surratt's mother, Mary, was hanged in 1865 for her role in Lincoln's assassination. So Anne's ghost has been seen pounding on the White House door, begging for her mother's release. And it's also said that every July 7th, Anne's ghost can be seen sitting on the front porch because this is the anniversary of her mother's execution. So, um... You know, this story, probably more than a, a lot of them, really speaks to that um, 
negative energy around an event that leaves a lasting mark. I mean, much like the fire, but the the execution of somebody involved in the assassination of a president, that's going to leave a mark if you... Oh, sure. If it... it if you're thinking in that way, if if you believe in that, that that negative energy can really um, stain, you know, the the world and mm-hmm. and and leave that trace, then this is uh, this is one of those stories. It kind of goes along with the stone tape theory, um, you know, a, a negative or a strong energy is recorded by the earth by the stones, the floorboards, the, the, you know, just in general, it, it's recorded in the earth so that it replays over and over again because it was such a dramatic event. Right, yeah. And that can be taken, if you look at any hauntings, the stone tape theory comes up for most of them. But we'll move from the portico to the East Room. Now, the East Room was... Uh, frequent frequented by Abigail Adams, and it still, till recently, is frequented by Abigail Adams. <laughs> During her tenure at the White House, she used this room to hang her laundry because it was one of the warmest rooms in the house at the time. So she would hang her laundry there all the time to dry. Now, she's often seen in or en route to the East Room with her arms outstretched as if she's carrying a basket full of laundry. And they, the sightings of her were particularly abundant during the Taft administration. For some reason, that's when she was most active was during the Taft administration. But as recently as 2002, a group of tourists actually reported seeing Abigail Adams up there in the East Room. And in addition to just seeing her, many people report the faint smell of laundry soap around the area. And Lincoln, in fact... Here's Lincoln again. He was also seen in this room because this is the room in which his body was laying after he was shot. Yeah. A huge, huge negative energy there. No kidding. But did anybody think it's, it's odd that we're talking about a first lady, even in that time, doing the laundry? I mean, I, I wonder how far back you can go to where first ladies were like, we're not doing the laundry anymore. I mean, yeah. you know, the White House staff takes care of everything. Yeah. So it's yeah. It, I, I don't know. That's just a that was just a weird thing. I was like, here's a president, even though it's you know it's the second one, right? You still got to think. You he know, would still have you built a house this big. You got you got tons of money, you know, staff. Yeah, <laughs> there. Tons of money to pay people to do that. Maybe maybe you know? this was just her thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, could have been her thing. I mean, it's like a. A lot of presidents, they have their, they want to be the ones to, you know, build, you know, do woodworking and build this cabinet or whatever, just because it's something they do. So it may have been just something she enjoyed doing and she had staff or servants that could do it for her, but she just wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, just interesting there. Um, now onto the Rose Room. The Rose Room, uh, is famous for being the room where uh, Andrew Jackson resided. Um, And according to White House lore, there is a cold spot on the bed where Andrew Jackson slept. 
And again, Mary Todd Lincoln has an account where she said that she could hear Andrew Jackson pacing and swearing inside this room. Um, Lillian Parks, who we, we mentioned earlier, I didn't call her by name. Lillian Parks was a White House seamstress. And she said that she could feel Andrew Jackson's presence over her. And she detailed this in her book, My 30 Years Backstairs at the White House, which just is full of, you know, anecdotal stories, descriptions of the time that she spent, you know, on the White House staff. Um, but she was the one that uh, also mentions in the book about um, the, the childbirth screams from um, uh, from the second floor bedrooms. Right. You know, so she details that in her books, too. So that that's that's multiple accounts of the screams that they can hear. Um, and interestingly enough, Lillian Parks, she died in 1997. She was 100. Wow. So in the book actually describes 50 years of White House history, uh, even though she's she spent 30 years there. It covers a span of about 50 years. So um, I haven't read the book, but it sounds like it would be an interesting read, especially if you like, you know, White House history, yeah. Washington history. I think I might have to read it because that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Now, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands, she came and visited and stayed in the Rose Room. And her account says that she got up to answer a knock at the door. And when she opened the door, she saw Lincoln's ghost standing in the hallway. So can you imagine that? I mean, here you are, you're, you're the queen of the Netherlands. Right. You, you, you come to the United States, you're, you're spending the night in the home of the president, and somebody knocks on your door and you open it up and it's Abraham Lincoln standing there. Yeah. It's <laughs> former president all <laughs> clad in his top hat. And yeah, that dude, I, I think I would do exactly what she did. Didn't she scream and pass out? <laughs> I would have. Yeah. <laughs> Screamed, peed, passed out. Yeah. But let's, let's move on to who we have been talking about all night now. And it's the most famous ghost of the White House. And you'll hear many, many stories about it, but we'll give you a brief rundown of them. And that is Abraham Lincoln. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be like Calvin Coolidge or something. He's the second, the second <laughs> most popular ghost. Also, but he doesn't say anything. No, but he, he was he's the most popular president of all time. Ask anybody. Calvin Coolidge, top of the list. Yeah. They can't remember George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, but they're like, oh, yeah, uh, Calvin Coolidge. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Old silent cow. Yep. Anyway, Abraham Lincoln, um, he he's said to be seen all over the White House. Now, he was assassinated in 1865, and he's usually seen in what is now called the Lincoln Bedroom, but at the time that he was in office, this was actually his meeting room. It wasn't a bedroom, so this was the room that he would meet foreign dignitaries in and meet with his cabinet and everything, so that's why people see him so often in the Lincoln bedroom. The first person to actually report seeing Lincoln was 
First Lady Grace Coolidge. You just mentioned old Cal. Mm-hmm. His his wife, Grace Coolidge, she actually uh, lived in the White House in the 1920s. Now, she reportedly saw him standing at a window in the Oval Office looking across the Potomac to what had once been Civil War battlefields, which makes sense. Now, one of the most well-known ghost stories about seeing Lincoln was reported by 20th century British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. I love this story. This I, I love this story because it's totally Winston Churchill. Now, he was a guest at the White House, and he had taken a long bath. And after his bath, he got out and he was walking across the room nude, and he had his cigar, which he had everywhere. So... Imagine Churchill walking across the room, butt naked with a cigar. It looked like baby New Year's. (laughs) (laughs) He walks into the adjoining bedroom, and there's Lincoln standing at the fireplace. And Churchill being Churchill, he looks at him and he goes, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. (laughs) Apparently, Lincoln smiled. And then disappeared. Now, Churchill refused to sleep in that bedroom after that encounter, which I don't blame him. Yeah, I would, too. Yeah, how'd you like uh, Adam's Winston Churchill Im- impression? It wasn't that good. <laughs> it wasn't that good. And I got to work on it a little more. He, he wasn't trying, really. No. I'll, uh, next episode. Next yeah. episode. I'll bring out the Winston Churchill. Yep. So... Some of the presidents that claim that they have seen Lincoln's ghost include Theodore Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, and and Dwight Eisenhower. Um, First Lady uh, Jackie Kennedy and Lady Bird Johnson also report having seen uh, the ghost of of President Lincoln. In fact, um, Jackie Kennedy would would often talk about how she felt so close to, to Lincoln and that, you know, he was her favorite president and that she would just sometimes go and just get away from the, you know, the, the hustle and bustle of the white house, just go to the Lincoln bedroom and sit and just kind of commune with the, the energy, you know, of Lincoln spirit. Um, it would be really cool to yeah be able to, you know, not only see Lincoln, but just to kind of, if not talk to him, at least kind of yeah. hang out in his presence and all that. Can you imagine that conversation? Oh man, <laughs> man. What would you ask Abraham Lincoln if you could? Yeah, I would have a a, just a complete folder full of questions. Yeah. What What if he said something like, "I told her I didn't want to go to that show." Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, but uh, Susan Ford, daughter daughter of Gerald Ford, Maureen Reagan, daughter of Ronald Reagan, um, both report having seen Lincoln standing at the fireplace in the Lincoln bedroom. Um. Several members of Franklin Roosevelt's staff claim they saw him, and so did uh, FDR's personal valet, who actually ran screaming from the White House when he saw him. <laughs> Again, that's probably the, the reaction that I would have. Right. Um, I like talking about this stuff, but, you know, if, if it actually happened, I'm not really sure what I'd do. Yeah, full apparition right in front of you. <laughs> 
of Lincoln. Right. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's one thing if it's an apparition. It's another thing. It's yeah. like, hey, man, that's Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Let's ah, yeah. and run. <laughs> um, Margaret Truman, President Truman's daughter, said that she heard rapping at the door when she stayed in the Lincoln bedroom, and she thought it was Lincoln. President Truman himself was once ar- awakened by mysterious raps at the door. Um, some some people who've stayed in that room, you know, have seen Lincoln sit on the edge of the bed, putting on his boots, uh, including Eleanor Roosevelt's personal secretary, Mary Eben, who also ran screaming from the room. So this is a common occurrence. Now it's happened twice, you know. Right. Like, hey, your personal assistant, see Lincoln, get out. <laughs> I'm out, done. Yep. We're um, done. But the most recent Lincoln sighting um, is around the early 1980s when a White House operations foreman came into the White House and saw Lincoln sitting in a chair at the top of the staircase. So, you know, that again, these things aren't as, as common in the modern day. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, the 1980s is a very recent one. 2002, when the group of tourists saw Lincoln's ghost, and they kind of fall off. And, and you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the, the way the, that the, the world is, the way national security is, that stories of what goes on, not just inside the White House, but inside any other house of state, you know, around the world, are going to be kept a, a lot quieter. Right. Right. You know, I mean, what would we really think if, you know, President Trump came out and started talking about seeing, you know, Lincoln's ghost at the foot of his bed. Or if, you know, George W. Bush had said, hey, I saw Abigail Adams walking with a laundry basket, you know, pass through a door. Or if Barack had actually tweeted me back and told me ghost stories. Yeah, sure. And, you know, White House staffers, you know, are a pretty tight knit group. You know, it's tough. I mean, these are these are good jobs. They're not easy to come by. And the people that get them are usually the children of the people that had them. Right. You know, so it's when I when I say that, I mean, if my grandmother worked at the White House and my father worked at the White House and now I'm working at the White House, I may share these stories among ourselves. But in order to protect my job, I'm probably not going to go out in public and tell these things. Right. Um, which, again, where we're talking about a lot of these stories come from, you know, the the late mid to late 1800s, early 1900s, national security wasn't what it is today. So, you know, people spoke a lot more openly about those kind of things. And so I think that is probably why we're not hearing. But I I guarantee you, if you take the tour of the White House, it's going to come up. Right. And, you know, it's it's the mentality of people nowadays. If, you know, back back then it you didn't seem quite as nuts if you said you saw a ghost. Nowadays, with the way people look at ghost sightings and the way you're treated most of the time, if you say you believe in ghosts or anything like that, if I mean, I get weird looks at work when I, you know, tell people I do a paranormal podcast and that we talk about ghosts all the time and that I believe in ghosts and all this other stuff. I get weird looks and I'm nobody. Can you imagine if an important person for the country came out and said it, you know, or a scientist or a foreign dignitary or something were 
hanging out and then they came out and said it, it's not good for their image anymore because people aren't as open to spirits and the paranormal as they used to be. Yeah. We've shut it down and we've gone more to science and everything like that. And it can't be proved by science yet. So you better not say it. Yeah. And we've talked about this. Consider the source before with other stories when we're talking about um, members of the military, uh, law enforcement speaking out to say they had an experience where they saw something they couldn't explain uh, regardless of what it is. There's a reputation there to, to uphold and a risk of, you know, losing your job or at least losing credibility in your job. Right. By making a claim like that, you know, Adam and I are like, yeah, bring it on. We want to hear it. Oh, sure. We're not going to think any less of you. No. We just want to hear your scary story. Um, but the the public in general, it doesn't share that view necessarily. So when I say consider the source, if if somebody is willing to talk about something like that and they're in a position of authority, you know, or they're in a position to where uh, this this could reflect negatively on my career, you know, normally you would think they're going to they're going to be pretty tight lipped about it. So if it was if it was a big enough event where they were willing to openly discuss it, then you you kind of want to believe it a little bit more. Right. So um, but on the flip side of that coin, just like Adam said, you know, if I'm the president or if I'm the White House chief of staff or, you know, if I'm a press secretary and, you know, I'm bebopping down the hall and I look up and I see Dolly Madison walking through the Rose Garden. I'm probably just going to go, oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. not going to say anything publicly about it because I don't I, I don't need that kind of pressure. Right. You know, so. Um, but I think that that's probably a good reason why you don't hear these stories coming out of the White House anymore. Yeah. One thing I took from that, from what you were saying, is. Basically, the graveyard is a safe haven for ghost stories. It is. So y'all bring them on. Send yeah. them to us. You know, we we want to hear everything you got. Um, if any of y'all have ever been to the White House. Yeah. We'd that, like to hear that because neither one of us have been. And no, I haven't been. It would be pretty cool. to. I've not been to Washington, D.C. I haven't either. Um, it's on the list of things to do, but I, I will have to probably bring booze with me to get you know, get through dealing with all the people that are up there. But I don't think, I think a trip to Washington, D.C. would be fantastic, but I know myself too well. And I would go straight to the Smithsonian mm-hmm. and I would probably spend the bulk of the trip there. Oh yeah. Me too. I just me too. Mu- museums just tickle me to death and that's where I'd be. I'd miss everything yeah. else. Like- um, but yeah, screw all the monuments. I'm going to be here. Yeah. Never been, but definitely want to go. And, uh, yeah, I think now the, the white house tour would definitely be on my list. Cause I want, I want to hear what they have to say. About yeah. It. Right. And see if I can see Abraham Lincoln or anything That's like right. that. Give him a high five. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Try to knock his hat off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, send us an email at graveyard tales podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, get in our Facebook group. You know, if you have any stories from the White House or you just have any ghost stories that you want to tell, 
um, we've gotten a couple people that have sent us some stories, some ghost stories and stuff like that. And what we'll do, we'll start compiling them. And with your permission, we may do another another listener stories episode before Christmas. We got a long way till next Christmas. So um, you can send them in. If we get enough, we may do that, or we may tack them on to the end of some other episodes or something like that. But, you know, if you enjoy what you're hearing, share it with everybody. You know, it. we are amazed and overwhelmed with how many downloads and listens and shares that we've been getting lately. It's just, it's incredible. And keep doing it. You know, we want to keep growing the graveyard. And while you're listening to us, click over real quick and give us a rating on whatever your, whatever podcast streamer you're listening to us on. It would mean the world to us because it would help people find us easier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and tell your friends, tell your family, um, if, if they're into this kind of stuff like you, they would probably enjoy this show and, you know, bring them into the graveyard. Um, but, uh, as far as, uh, ghost of the white house episode, I think, uh, I think it's time for me and old, uh, old magic hands to, uh, <laughs> crap, <laughs> to sign out. And <laughs> I, 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 Hey, Dale, I told you I'd get it in here. So. Yeah. Thanks, Dale. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks, Matt. I brought it on myself, but still. That's thanks. right. All right, guys. We'll see y'all.